this morning, 10 through 13. Milton, after today, take tomorrow off. I have the authority to do that as interim pastor because it's a holiday. I thought he might need a little rest, but that was a, I, that's a fun day, wasn't it? Congratulations to all uh, watching those baptisms. That was amazing. All right, we're getting now to the verse. This is a verse I don't think jumps out all the time to you. But Paul is now wrapping everything up with one verse and how you and I are supposed to live. I don't know how your week went this week. Work, how your week went this week. Mine was pretty good. But my son called me Wednesday morning early, and he's upset. He lives in San Antonio, and this is not unusual in San Antonio. Dad, my truck's gone. I said, what? He has a three-quarter ton Dodge Ram diesel, fully loaded. Bought it used, but it's still an amazing truck. It's his work truck with all of his tools in it. He was more even upset because his gun he'd left in that night, his gun he prizes more than his truck, it's been stolen. I said, oh, contact the police. Well, that takes forever. Well, later in the day, he calls me back. He's still not very happy. It wasn't stolen. It was repossessed. Son, are you paying your bills? Dad, they're all paid for. We even called USAA, who has the loan, and they're they're okay. They didn't do it. And then 20 minutes later, he calls me again. He's even more upset. I've been evicted from my house. I said, what? I don't think it could get much worse than this, son. Did you not make your, your payments? No, we're right on target with our payments. I said, well, call, find out what's going on. If I need to come down, I'll come and help. It wasn't an hour later he called. We've had a civil suit filed against Robin, my wife, for a wreck she had a year ago. And so I'm saying, son, okay, deep breath. We're going to be okay. I knew you'd say that. I don't want any preacher talk. I said, no preacher talk, just a dad. Son, we're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Well, by the end of the evening, the truck was repossessed wrongly. The eviction was sent to the wrong person. The civil suit does stand, but the lawyer said, you're fine. But as we were talking later that night, he said, Dad, you always say all that stuff, but you don't have any emotions. I said, yeah, I got emotions. Got them just like you do. You're just not going to see it. I'm not going to show my emotions. Doesn't do any good. I'll just, I said, son, let's just trust God. I know you're upset. I don't have any trouble with that. I know you're a little bit angry. I'm not, I'm not even with that. But son, let's trust God. And, and, you know, that's a bad day. That's not really a bad day. That's kind of what life's about. We all have ups and downs all the way through. In fact, as I was thinking about that this week, I got to thinking of Paul when he said this. Servants of God, we're in much endurance, in unbelievable affliction, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger. I think the man who had probably the most difficult life to ever walk, life to walk this earth was, was Paul. Apart from what Christ went through, he had an unbelievable difficult life. And he even said later in 2 Corinthians, by the glory, we have glory, we have dishonor. We have evil reports, we have good reports. We're called deceivers, yet we're true. We're unknown, yet we're well-known. We're dying, yet we're living. We're punished, but we haven't died. 
We're sorrowful, yet we rejoice. We're poor, but we're making everybody else rich. We have absolutely nothing, but in another sense, we possess all things in life. So you got to know that life is filled with ups and downs. And as we've walked over the ethical statements of the last eight or nine weeks, as we've been going since the middle of chapter four, I have said that if you do this, it makes life work. What it means is, when I say that, is this. It will get you through life. It doesn't always make everything go smoothly. Sometimes life hits us, and it hits us hard. And so Paul is bringing us to the point that he wants to bring home this truth of how you and I are to live our Christian life. And you know, when I go through his sufferings, ask a question to you. How many times did Paul get beat up in his ministry? I have been verbally beat up as a pastor. I have been slandered in the press as a pastor. I've had things like that. Uh, the only scar on my body is uh, from my uh, shoveling snow at the church and panhandle and rupturing a disc, but I've never gone through what Paul went through at all. I've had friends in the ministry and overseas in Africa who've gone through much of what Paul went through. But he went through the cat of nine tails five times. He was beaten with rods, which is like being beaten with a bat three times. He was stoned once. How many times was he beat up by fist? Times without numbers. And yet when you read his letter to the church at Philippian, he's going to say this, rejoice, enjoy life, trust God. Because he demonstrates to us that when you come to Christ, it doesn't mean that we get to live in a Disneyland-like world. It means as we walk through this world, our God will be with us and he will bring us safely home. In fact, the minute ago, you guys sang that. You sang it very clearly. I know how this story ends. And when you know how the story ends, you're not dictated by the circumstances of what you're going through. So what I want to do today is I want to bring home now everything we've been saying and see what your response is. You know how you're supposed to live. You already know that. But how do we live when life gets extremely difficult? So if you'll stand with me, we get into what is now known as the armor of God. But I think verse 10 is the key to the rest of it. And here's what it says. Finally, that word finally is important because this is bringing it all to conclusion. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to do what? Stand firm. Stand firm against what? Against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, it's against powers, against world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, stand firm. We'll make an, a point at the start before we get into this. What I'll be talking about today is not the evil day, it's just life, ups and the downs. But there do come evil days and we will deal, deal with that uh, in a couple of weeks. Join with me as we pray. And, and this is Memorial Day, and I, I want to take a moment in my prayer to lift up. I lost uh, one of my youth in Afghanistan. I, I had to sit down with his mom and tell him that she had lost a son. And the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. So Memorial Day to me, 
I never served, but I, in a sense, did get to serve with many great men and women in the military. So I want to just say a prayer for God's blessings on many families this day in America. And as you celebrate it, remember, we get to do all of this because of the amazing price paid by many. Join with me as we pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the kids who were baptized a minute ago. Amazing testimony of your grace at work in their lives, for their families. And I pray, Lord, that this is just a special weekend as as they celebrate all that's taken place. And Father, even this Wednesday, as we get ready for uh, the mission here in the city, Lord, bless the efforts of all the churches that will be involved and those from Ridgecrest that will be involved. And then, Father, as we stop this weekend and tomorrow for Memorial Day, may we celebrate and be thankful for the price paid so that we can live the lives that we've been allowed to live. We know it's by your grace and mercy that all this happened, but thank you for the many who have passed before us who have made this possible. Now be with us, Father, today as we study your word. Be glorified and honored in all we do. It is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, point one in verse 10 simply is what? It's your job to be strong. It is an imperative in the Greek language, which is a man now, and it's plural, which means all of us. None of us are exempt from this. So Paul's calling us to be strong. It means you're enabled, you're to be strengthened, you're to be empowered, but you're to live your life, and whatever you face, have the courage and the strength to be able to do that. Now, this being strong is more than physical strength. When we're young and we got all this amazing vitality and strength, it's, it's a thing. But as many in your room know, as you get older, that strength begins to just kind of dissipate away. In fact, the Apostle Paul will make a statement that we don't lose heart. I always like this statement. I didn't like it when I was younger because it didn't make any sense, but it does now. We don't lose heart. Our outer man is decaying. Our inner man is being strengthened day by day. God is at work every day giving you and strengthening you more and more to be what he wants you to be, and you have the ability to face and deal with anything that might come your way. And so Paul commands us, in fact, he tells the church at Corinth later, I want you to be alert, I want you to stand firm in the faith, I want you to act like men, I want you to be strong. This word be strong is found over and over. He said that to Timothy. Timothy pastored in this church. This was one of the toughest churches you could have ever pastored and one of the most difficult cultures you could have ever asked for. We know as much about Ephesus and what took place as we do any other place that Paul went. And he tells him, son, be strong in the grace that God has given you through Christ Jesus our Lord. And he was facing difficulties when he told Timothy, be strong. Because earlier he's going to say to Timothy, I want you to know something, young man. I don't want you to be ashamed of me. And I want you to be ashamed of the suffering I'm going through. I don't want you to be ashamed of me being in prison. And I don't want you to be ashamed of the gospel. Son, you're going to have to stand strong. That stand strong is called to every one of us in this room as we live our lives. Moses did it to the whole nation. Just before they enter the promised land, he breaks them all together. And he says, be strong and courageous. A little bit later, at the end of his message, he's going to say it again to Joshua. He calls Joshua next to him. He says to everybody, I want you to be strong and courageous. Joshua later will be told this, or he will say to others, be strong and courageous. He will say in verse 7 of chapter 1, be strong and courageous. He says in verse 9, be strong and courageous. The psalmist tells us the exact same thing. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? If we honestly believe that on a daily basis, then we'll have no trouble being strong. And then the psalmist will say, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes, 
wait for God. He'll later say, be strong. Let your heart take courage. All who hope in the Lord. That's a passage that was about Jesus, but he's asking us to do the same thing. We're to be strong. Joab said to David's men before they battled the Amalekites, be strong, show courage in all that you do. In the New Testament, Paul said this, the Lord stood with me. He strengthened me so that through me the proclamation may be fully accomplished. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. He, Paul teaches that Abraham grew strong in his faith. He wasn't always strong at the start, but as he got older, that faith became so strong, it was unbelievable. You and I, when we face anything in life, I don't care what it is, good times, bad times, or evil times, we have a call. We're to live out, give evidence of Christ in us and get the strength that he is going to provide for you and you stand there. When my son called me this week and he is so frustrated and frustrated at what's going on, the last thing he needed was me to cry with him. The last thing he needed with me is to pat him on the back and say, it's okay, dad will bail you out. No, what he needed me to do is stand strong and to get him to stand strong. Because you know what I needed him to do? Stand strong for Robin. Stand strong for Tyler. Stand strong for uh, Katie Bell, his kids. They need to see dad at that moment standing strong. And in some cases, you've got to do it yourself. You have to be the one in the group that has to stand strong. You've been given all these blessings. You've been given how to live your life. And now what you're to do is... Let's tackle life. Let's go for it. I think one of the difficulties we have in being strong is we want a miracle. And miracles do happen. Miracles do happen. I've seen two or three in my life that I just stand back in awe at. I was pastor at Shallow Water and Becky Luss, our finance person at the church at the time, she wrote the checks and did all that kind of stuff, came to me and said, Steve, I go tomorrow for a five-year checkup on breast cancer. I'm so excited to get the all clear. I said, Becky, let's just pray. I said a prayer the Lord would be with her and help her through the day, and it'd all go well, because she was nervous. The next day, she's sitting outside the parsonage. Her face is bright red when I drive up. She's been sitting there crying for two hours in her Bronco, in my driveway, waiting for Jan and I to get home. I get her out of the car. We go into the parsonage. I said, Becky, what's going on? I have liver cancer, and they've given me five, six weeks. What do you do at that point? I don't even know what to respond. This is a great lady. It's the last thing in the world anybody was expecting. I asked her the other day, at that moment, I said, Becky, what do you want me to pray for? And her kids were my kids' age. I had a daughter in high school. She said, pray I see my daughter graduate. I said, well, I can do that. And we prayed for her to see her daughter graduate. Russell and Shelly Martin were just in town two, a week ago. They're from shallow water. I said, how's Becky doing? She saw her grandkid just graduate. God answered the prayer. She lived through that in the most amazing way. So I know miracles happen. I have no trouble with that. But I'll remind you of this. In the Old Testament, it spans 4,000 years. You know how many years have miracles in them? Somebody counted this. I don't know who did it, but somebody counted it. 130 out of the 4,000 years had miracles. There were not that many miracles in the Old Testament. There's a bunch of them. 
Out of the, the 130 years, 47,450 days, the vast majority of those days came and went without a miracle. And yet people would be needing something like that. You know, sometimes miracle is, and catch this, the miracle is you walking and standing strong in the midst of what you're facing. That's the miracle. And that really is a miracle because most people can't do that. But Christ in us. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. The greatest miracle in the world is seeing what Christ is doing in our lives every day as this world in which we live in hits us over and over and over. And yet here we are. We keep standing. Does it hurt sometimes? Yes. Is it difficult sometimes? Unbelievable. But Christ in us, we keep standing. That's the miracle. So in reality, there is a miracle every day. We're all miracles. We've been saved by the grace of God. And you know what? Greenville has two amazing stories Two amazing stories that ought to be examples. Now, I don't know either one of these men, but I bet a bunch in here know both of these men or knew one of them. Monty Stratton. That is a stunning story. I watched it again this week. I hadn't seen this as a kid. I loved it when I was a kid because I'm a baseball fanatic. When he lost his leg, he could have quit. Best pitcher in baseball. Uh, my best friend's son was the best pitcher in baseball in the American League several years ago, John Patterson for the Washington Nationals, and he tore his arm in a pitch and never pitched again. He lives in McKinney now, having a great life. He always wanted to go back one more time, but never could. Monty could have quit. My friend didn't. He went on and did something else in life, but Monty could have quit from being the height of the world to nothing. Nobody would going to use you ever again and he came back I know he's Methodist I don't know anything about him I don't know if he's a good guy bad guy in the movie I hope he's I hope he was just like Jimmy Stewart portrayed some of you know and you could tell me later but he's a man of courage a man of strength and then the other one that I I've never met but many of you have is Bart Miller when I read the story and saw the movie I've even asked some of you was the movie true and you said yeah very much on target timeline a little off but come out of that, which is a great story of strength. You know, a lot of times we see this and we, we say, how, how are we going to survive all this evil around us? What's going on? God gives his people the strength to overcome the most difficult of times. He doesn't make it easy. We fight our way through. But it's worth the fight coming through. You have two great stories that were movies made of them. One an Academy Award and one had quite an impact all over the nation. So I'm calling you today. Be strong. It's your decision. Don't be defined by the evil that hits you in life. And the John, and in 1 John says, who is the one who overcomes the world? Who overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Which means this, you and I can stand strong every day. Why? Because we're going to overcome. We know how the story ends. We know where we're going to be. And no matter what world the life throws at us. Did not you sing this a minute ago? You, you nailed the songs today. I'm sitting there going, I got to add that to it. I got to add this. Because I just loved all the different things we were singing. But you said this. I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. I'm fighting a battle. It's easy to sing, isn't it? But in the midst of life sometimes, it's very difficult to do. 
But God is going to be with us, and you can fight the battle. But it doesn't mean it's easy. It's a fight. You can't say, I can't. Those are words of those who never make it in life, or I won't, because the pain and the bitterness, I won't let it go. Listen, if you do that, you're not going to overcome. But what you do is you say what Paul says in in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Which leads me to the second point today. Look at verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Guys, you and I own don't have this kind of strength. None of us. Not a one in here has the strength to, get to, to endure what you have to endure sometimes through life. That's why you see so many people folding and crumbling in life. I live off East Chase and 30 on the east side of Fort Worth. We're loaded with homeless there at the corner. I mean, constant, everywhere. And you see all these people who've been broken in life. They're drug addicts or they're, they're vets who, who got, war has just messed everything up for them. And we see this over and over around everywhere I live. And they're in my, outside my neighborhood, right across the street from my house. So I see this on a regular basis, which tells me this, life is so tough, it's unbelievable, and most people are broken by life. My call to you is, is we're not going to be broken by life. Not with Christ in us. We're going to, Fight the good fight. Why? Because he strengthens us. How? The entire book of Philippians, excuse me, the entire book of Ephesians has been explaining to you how he has strengthened you. The entire book has said that. In the first 14 verses, he said you're the most blessed person in all the world. And he's given you everything that you need. Everything's in your hands that you need to be able to get through life. And he gave it to you free. It didn't cost you anything. It cost his son everything. He gave it to you. It's yours. In Ephesians 1.19, he says, This surpassing greatness of the power towards us who believes. There's a surpassing greatness of power that is yours. Surpassing. It means you can throw the ball farther than anyone else. It means when God does something that exceeds anything that you and I can ever imagine. And the power of God is directed in and through you to accomplish his good will and pleasure. His power works for you and works in you. Second thing is, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in Ephesians 1. We're told that towards the end. Which means this, he's above all rule and authority and all dominion. He's above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. And everything will be put under subjection under his feet. If that is true, I believe it is. Christ is in me, then that power and authority is at work in my life. So no matter what I might face, no matter how hard it might get, I can hold my head high, even in the pain and difficulty, take a step, and I can give glory and honor, and even in my sorrow, I can be joyful because God is at work in and through me. And then he tells us he made us alive. We were dead, but we're now living. We have the ability to live through anything and everything in life. To me, that is amazing. My brother and I were talking on the phone. He lives in southeast Texas. And I was asking what he's going to do with mom and dad's ashes. I took them down and we're, we're, we're wanting to bury them somewhere there in southeast Texas. But we got to talking and we just got to reminiscing. I said, Keith, you and I were blessed. 
we were blessed. We had a good mom. We had a good dad. I mean, amazing what they did for us. But I said, what's even more amazing to me is out of what they came through, out of what all they went through as kids, and some of it was bad, they decided they're going to overcome. And they did everything in their power to give us a good life. And I told Keith, and he agreed, they did it. Why? With the strength which they were strengthened. My parents loved Jesus. My parents walked with Jesus. They went through the struggles of life, overcame all that they encountered in life. I am grateful for that. And then every gift that we got to face life is a gift given to us by the Father in Ephesians 3. And he's carrying out an eternal purpose, and we get to be a part of it. Man, guys, we're so blessed, it's unbelievable. Paul realized that in his own life when he said, you know what, I fought a good fight. It was a fight for him to get through life, but he fought it. And you know what he said then? I made it to the finish line. No greater joy in the world than crossing a finish line. And he said, you know what, I still have my faith. I kept my faith. I fought a good fight. I got all the way to the end. Nothing stopped him. Nobody kept him from getting there. No evil overcame him. He made it to the finish line, and he still did what? He still loved Jesus and still professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we've been called to do here now. Be strong in the strength of his might. I am so grateful that God has given me the ability to do that. I'm just a kid from southeast Texas that grew up on the bios. It grew up on the Sabine River. I look at where I've been and got to do, I stand back in amazement through the good and the bad, how God has brought me all the way to this point. And I am grateful for his grace and his mercy. And so when I tell my son it's going to be okay, it's not a dad wishful thinking. It's a dad who knows who has learned that after 70 years, Romans 8.28 is real. It's not just a verse in the Bible. It is true that my God works everything out for good. And I have come to realize and to understand that what Paul said of Abraham in Romans 4 is true. That what God promised, he always does. Guys, that's yours. That's not just mine. That's all of ours in Christ. That's every one of us in this room who are in Christ have that. We're going to walk different roads. Some more difficult than others. Some will walk a Monty Stratton road. Maybe an accident derails everything. Some of us will walk through a Bart Miller road or some other road. But our God will walk us through in each and every one of them. And if we'll just keep our eyes fixed on him, we will be blessed. We will be blessed. And then lastly, very quickly, verse 11, put on the full armor of God. I'll get more into that later. But we have to clothe ourselves now with the armor of God. I will give a quick overview. You know what the armor of God really is? Your faith in Jesus. It's what he's done for you. It's the gospel the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The helmet is hope. 
Wear that every single day. The battle is real. Satan is roaring like a lion, seeking those who who, who can destroy. But you and I have the ability to stand firm. And for that, I am always going to be grateful to my Father in heaven. We have a new life in Christ. Live it. Let's not go backwards. We've been given the greatest gift in all the world. Let's give him the glory and the honor he deserves because of what he has done. You know, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I know what my schedule says tomorrow. We're going to the lake with the grandkids, and I'm grilling hamburgers and hot dogs, and we'll go swimming in the lake, and then we'll come home, and the old man will sit in his chair and rest for the rest of the holiday. That's what's planned. But I have no idea what God's going to do tomorrow in our lives. But this much I do know, that no matter what he has planned for our life, it's going to be good. It will accomplish his purpose. Whether it's easy or whether it's difficult. And he will use it to make me more into his image. And all he wants me to do is be thankful, rejoice, and give him glory. So I encourage you on Memorial Day, you give thanks for those who paid a price so you could be here. But you give thanks more than all for the price paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, because his price paid, that's why you're here. That's why we celebrate. And that's why we sing. Father, we thank you for this day and for the privilege and honor you've given us to study your word. And we thank you to remind us that we have to be strong. You've done all the work. Now you ask us to live it. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we get hit so hard, it's unbelievable. It it can literally knock us off our feet. But you tell us, get back up. Because you've given us the strength that nothing will defeat us. Nothing will overcome us. For we have overcome in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has made that possible. Help us to recognize that and to know that in the very depths of our hearts and in the depths of our mind. So we can live fully, giving you all honor, glory, and praise. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.